Now, as you're able, would you please remain standing for the reading of the word, which today will be done by one of our young adults, Ethan McHugh. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amity. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Well, I just want to let you know that starting next Sunday, I'll be out in the lobby with cash to pay for you who are doing your surveys to make sure you remember how great the preaching is. (laughs) Yeah, that gets everyone excited. All right. (laughs) It is good to be with you here this morning. We are diving into... Uh, our second week of our Jonah series that we kicked off last week. And um, when we talk about Jonah, we typically are thinking of Jonah and a fish. We think of Jonah and a whale. And that is a small part of the greater story of the person of Jonah and the mission that he was given and what he chooses to do. As a matter of fact, if you have read through the four chapters in the book of Jonah, you'll know that the fish is only there for one of the four chapters and really is only mentioned in three verses total. So it is a small piece of the story. And so what that tells us is that we need to reshape our understanding, that we need to uh, look at this story with fresh eyes, with a fresh heart, and hear it with fresh ears, because God's got more in store for us if we want to dive deeply into what this text has for us. And so that's why we're spending six weeks total we got this week, and then four more weeks after this of looking through Jonah's life. And what we're really doing is we're looking at his call, and we're looking at his heart. And hopefully we're holding Jonah up as a mirror for our own lives to see how much of ourselves is reflected in Jonah. And Jonah is one of those people in scripture where we actually look and say, I hope not very much. I hope I'm not very similar to the person of Jonah. And yet I think as we continue to look at his life in this moment, we're going to see a lot more of ourselves than we would like to admit. But it's okay because we can learn from that and help point ourselves in the right direction. And so last week we talked about the call that Jonah had on his life, the call to go to Nineveh and to preach. To preach against it is what the wording is in Jonah, Uh, but we are called to preach to people who are around us, to preach to the nations, to preach to our neighbors, our friends, our family, to share the love of Jesus with them. And so we are called to live on mission, to live uh, loving God, loving others, and loving God and others by sharing the love of God with others, telling others about the love of God. And so this all comes from Matthew 28, which is Jesus' final words to his disciples and really his words to us as well. So Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 said this, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so I want us to recognize a couple things here. First is that we recognize that we are doing this with Jesus. That the call to follow God, the call to be a Christian is to live life with God. And even living on mission, living for God is called to do that with him. Jesus isn't saying, hey, I'm done. 
you guys go take things from now on. He's saying, I'm gonna go be on mission. I'm gonna go work on hearts. I'm gonna go build my kingdom. Do you wanna come along? Do you wanna come and be a part of this? Come and join me in the mission. There's an invitation. But I also acknowledge that there is some language in these verses that we need to pay attention to. That Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And so he calls us to go and, and make disciples of all nations. And we are to do this always. And so there's language that Jesus is using that's gonna guide our hearts because so often we take the mission, we say, yeah, I hear that. And then we start to compartmentalize it. We start to make it smaller and think that means, yeah, all people means all people I like. It means all people I want to go to. All people who are easy to share the mission with. But that's not what Jonah was experiencing and that's not what is reality in the text and in the scripture for us as well. And so at Christ Community Church, we say it this way, that we as a church exist to make fully committed followers of Jesus Christ through love, acceptance, and forgiveness. This is what we are doing here today, what we are doing right now. This is why we have worship services on Sunday. This is why we have our live stream available. This is why we have small groups that are going through the Jonah study right now. It's why we have youth ministry and kids ministry. It is all to make fully committed followers of Jesus, to make disciples. And this is not the job of any one person. It's not the job of the paid staff. It's not the job, well, it is the job of the paid staff, but it's not just the job of the paid staff. It's not just the job of the volunteers. It is all of our job collectively together to make followers, to make fully committed followers, to share Jesus with people. And that happens here in the building, here on campus on Sundays, but it also happens when we go to work, when we go to school, when we go to the grocery store, when we go home and we're in our neighborhoods. Everywhere we go, we are called to make followers. And so this is what we exist to do. And the mission is significant. There are 1.6 million people in Sacramento County. There are 75,000 people in the city of Carmichael alone. And of all those numbers, 50% of those people, according to recent surveys, say that they are spiritual nuns, meaning they have no spiritual home, no spiritual walk, no spiritual identity at all. So just to make sure that we know the numbers in case you're bad at math, that is 800,000 people in Sacramento County and almost 38,000 people who have no spiritual identity at all. That's a big mission field and we don't even have to go very far. And that doesn't even include those who would say that they're part of some other faith background, some other religious background that has not put their trust in Jesus, who remember says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So the mission field is significant, and we have been called to step into our city, to step into our community, to step into our world, and to make disciples. Now I wanna help give a resource before we move any further because we've actually had these printed for a while. Our worship pastor, Mark Croker, he printed these up, made these for us. These are your invited cards. And so we have some available on the table out in the lobby. They'll be available at the Welcome Center if you need them. Um, but you can pick one of these up or a couple of these up. If you got the gift of evangelism and you're a super extrovert, pick up like 32 of them, I don't know. Um, and, and really has our service times and just a little statement saying, hey, we exist to, to be the presence of Jesus here in our community and in our world. And this is just a great opportunity to make something really simple where when you're having a conversation and you're demonstrating love and maybe you don't know what the next step is, give me your invited card. 
Invite them to come to church. And then hopefully, if you see them, you have a follow-up conversation afterwards. And it can get the conversation moving in the right direction. Now, if you're not acting in love and, you know, you're being rude to someone, just keep these in your pocket and uh, save them for a different day, I guess. But, but use that as a resource as we go through this series, talking about living on mission and making disciples. Let's invite people. Let's actually take steps. Don't just hear the word, but be doers of the word as well. Now, I want to share with you how we gauge success at Christ Community Church because this is something that I love about our church and actually is one of the reasons that I came to work here because I've seen churches do this wrong and I wanted to be a part of doing it the right way. And so what happens is in our Laugh Track 101 course, which is our membership course, there's one coming up in the end of February. If you haven't taken it yet, I'd encourage you to come and be a part of it. Also, if you've taken it before and you want to come in to get a refresher about what our church is all about, you can come and join us. There's nothing that says you can only take it once. And uh, actually, it's great when we have some people who are regular members of the church who have already done this, that can come in and just make a connection with someone who is coming and, and experiencing the church for the very first time or just getting to know who the church is and what the church is about. So all are welcome at 101. Uh, but here's how we gauge success. We ask two questions. And the first is, did you come because of a relationship, yes or no? And so we divide the room in half if someone was invited or if they just happened to find this place on their own. And then we ask another question. We say, did you have a previous spiritual home, yes or no? And so then we divide the room again based on that. And we end up with these four boxes that you see on the screen here. And so we'll come back to box one. That's the one we want to be the most full. But let me just kind of explain some of these other boxes here. Box two is always going to have people in it. it, is the easiest one to get people to, and it is the least important. As a matter of fact, I hope that this is the smallest percentage box of any of the four boxes that we have, because these are our church friends. And so what happens is with good intentions normally, we go to people who are from another church that are like, hey, you're a really great person. You would be a great contributor to our church. You got great musical talent. You got great youth ministry talent. You got great whatever. Like, I just would love to have you around and so we invite our church friends to say, hey, leave your church. Our church is better. And we say, come here. The chairs are better. The preaching's better. The music's better. The, the youth ministry's better. The children's ministry's better. Whatever it may be, we're like, hey, come and be a part of this. And what we're doing is we're just reshuffling the deck. We're just moving pieces around. The command for Christians is not to have the biggest church at the expense of other churches. The command is to make disciples. Again, there are 800,000 people in Sacramento County, 38,000 people in our city who have no spiritual background, no spiritual home at all. Let's go after them. And so as a pastor of Christ Community Church, I wanna encourage you, if you're thinking about, hey, you know what? How can I get my friend to leave their church and come here? Just don't do it. If they're going to a good biblical church, a good biblical-based church that's preaching the gospel, encourage them to stay there. As much as we might want them, encourage them to stay there because we need a lot of good churches and we need good people at all these churches as well. So box three is the one that we don't really have to pay too much attention to. It's going to get people. These are church shoppers. They had a previous spiritual home. Uh, they had no relationship here and they found themselves here for one reason or another. And so oftentimes people move from out of area or they're just looking for a church. They find us. Great. That's fine. We don't need to pay too much attention to that. Box four is our, our miracle babies, our Holy Spirit babies, uh, they come with no relationship and no spiritual home. So I guess they were just looking at their phone one day and were paying too close attention to their phone and found themselves sitting in a chair and were like, I don't know how I got here, but I guess I'll stick around. 
These people are normally drawn, if we're being honest, by maybe a program, an event, something like Fall Fun Fest, or maybe they come for Christmas or Easter or something like that. But that's why they show up. Uh, again, these, we, we're not being intentional necessarily, but when we have box four people sticking around, it does say something about the church that we are being welcoming, at least when people show up. So box four and box three especially are telling us that people are being welcoming to those who come in with no relationship. And so that's a good thing. We want people in those boxes because it shows that at least when they get here, we're doing the right thing of being welcoming and loving and doing some things that keep them around. But really the box that we want to be the most full and the one that we want to fill up with countless people is box one. Because these are on purpose people. Meaning we have to live on purpose. We have to live intentionally to go and get these people. They're people who have no previous spiritual home, but they come here because of a relationship. And so when we have boxed one people, what that says is that someone at Christ Community Church was intentional about living on mission, living out Matthew 28. They paid attention to their areas of influence and they found those who had no spiritual home. They found the spiritually homeless, the broken, the needy. And they said, you know what? I wanna invite you into relationship. I wanna invite you into my church. I wanna invite you into a relationship with Christ. This is the box we want to be the most full because it shows that we as Christ Community Church are living out our mission statement, are living out Matthew 28, are living on purpose intentionally sharing the love of God with those around us. But I'll be honest, this is rarely the highest percentage box that we have. And there have even been laugh track courses where we have zero people in that box. Why? Well, sometimes the answer is as simple as we get distracted. See, sometimes we do not live on mission because we get distracted. We allow ourselves to be distracted and when we do, we fail to live the mission that God has given to us. This is certainly what happened for Jonah and it can happen for us as well. So let's look at Jonah's story again in chapter one, verse one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. So remember, this is a command from God. So as we know him, we hear his command, we should do what he says. And it came to Jonah, son of Amity, said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And so Jonah was called to go and preach. Now I'll remind you that the goal of the preaching was repentance. The goal was to turn people around into relationship with God. Because if God simply wanted to destroy Nineveh, he wouldn't have sent Jonah there to warn them. But he sent Jonah in the hopes that people would repent and turn back towards him. This is an act of grace to the people of Nineveh. But Jonah didn't want to go. Jonah didn't want to go because Nineveh was a dark and evil place. This is how it's described in Nahum chapter 3, verse 1. It says this about Jonah. Not Jonah, Nineveh. Woe to the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. Anyone want to take vacation there? Probably not. And so you can imagine that for Jonah, he has a sense of fear. He has a sense of anxiety of this is where you're calling me to go. Do you know what they do to people like me? Do you know what they do to those around them? And there's also probably a sense of anger maybe even of hatred towards these people. Now, just to be clear, we saw in Nahum, but the Ninevites were, the Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian empire. 
And this Assyrian empire sought to control the world through extreme force. And so they used their military strength to try and take over places. And when they conquered some land, they made sure that the people knew who were the rulers. And they did this in violent and grotesque ways. And so they did things like scalp their enemies or put hooks in other kings and make them walk so that if they fell, if they stumbled, their flesh would rip from their body. It was disgusting, gruesome violence that was happening in Nineveh. And so you can imagine if God is calling you to go to a place like this, you might have some other ideas. If God is calling you to go and preach and invite them to church, you might have some opinions about that. And so as easy as it is to, to look at Jonah and be like, Jonah, you should have listened to God. We need to recognize that this was a hard call. And so we talked about how sometimes we don't live on mission because we get distracted. Well, distractions can come in the form of a push or a pull away from what God has required. Distractions can come as a push or a pull away from what God has required. Nineveh was a push. It was pushing him away from the call that God had given. Pushing him towards something else. Nineveh was a difficult place to go to. But there's also a pull. And here's what it says in verse 3. It says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And so Jonah's idea is, you know what? I don't want to do what God has asked me to do. So I'll go and run away from God. And just like Adam and Eve in the garden who tried to hide from God, we find out that this is not going to work well. If you're thinking, you know what, I can run, I can hide, I can keep myself hidden from God, it's not going to work. But God gave Jonah a call and he wanted to run away from that and so he picked Tarshish, which was the furthest place away that he could think of. So he was called to go east to Nineveh and instead he went as far west as he could possibly think to go. Tarshish to Jonah was the opposite end of the world from Nineveh. Now, I wanna be clear that scripture doesn't say there's anything wrong with Tarshish. The people of God were not forbidden from going to this place. Maybe Jonah even went there and said, you know what? I hear you telling me to go to Nineveh, but I'm gonna go plant a church in Tarshish. Maybe he justified it as a good thing. But the problem was it was the wrong thing because it wasn't God's thing. And therefore it became a bad and a sinful thing for him to do. And we all have these things in our life, these calls, these commands that we know are challenging, that push us away. And we have these things, these distractions that maybe they're good, maybe they're neutral, maybe they're bad, but there's the other things that's like, well, I could do this hard, challenging thing, or there's this nice, easy thing that's calling my name. I could go and share the gospel, or I could sit on the couch and watch Netflix. I could go and share the gospel or I can go in and, and work a little bit more so that I can make more money. I can go and do what God desires or I can practice some shady business operations because that's gonna get me ahead. And so we all have these things that push and pull us away from the heart of God. 
As a matter of fact, one of those pushes for us may very well be the same thing that it was for Jonah. We might encounter people that we think are not deserving, that we think are not worthy, or that are too challenging for us to share the gospel with. And I want to remind us not only of Jonah's call to go to the Ninevites, but all throughout scripture there are these calls for God's people to go to difficult people and to share the love of God. As a matter of fact, one of the most famous parables that Jesus shared is the story of the Good Samaritan. And we often use this as a story to talk about, hey, you should do good things for people. But really the heart of the story of the Good Samaritan is about the Samaritan himself. See, the story goes like this. Jesus says, hey, there was a time where uh, a Jewish man was walking along the road and he was mugged, beaten up and left for dead. And along came a, 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 a priest and he walked on the other side and a Levite and he walked on the other side. But a Samaritan came and he took pity on the man. And so we think of that in our context where, hey, you were beaten up, you're bloody, you're, you're left for dead on the side of a road somewhere. And here comes a pastor, obviously not myself, because I'm too good for that, but we'll use me as an example here for a moment. I come up and I look and I'm a little squeamish around blood. And so I'm thinking, you know what? That's, uh, that's a little bit over my pay grade there. I'm not a doctor. I can't really help you, right? I have good intentions, but you know, if I do anything, I'm probably just gonna make things worse. And so I'll walk to the other side of the road. Along comes uh, Mark Croker, our worship pastor for a contemporary service. And he goes and he says, hey, I, I want to help you and I would love to do it, but I got band practice in just a little bit. And we got a couple hundred people who are gonna be uh, attending for worship on Sunday. And so I would love to help you, but really I gotta go lead the band so that we're prepared for Sunday morning. And so he crosses to the other side. And it's the Samaritan that comes and does the good deed. Now what we need to understand is that Jews and Samaritans hated each other. All right, this is worse than the Niners and the Cowboys. Okay, this is worse than Apple users and those who give them green dots on their Apple phones or whatever you guys have. I don't know. I'm an Android user, forgive me. Uh, but here's the thing. They hated each other. See, they, they used to both be the same nation. They're all Israelites, but the, the nation split into two. And so one of the kingdoms had Jerusalem and the other kingdom did not. So they need to come up with their own capital city. They need to come up with their own place of worship. And so they picked Samaria. And so already they're being a little bit disobedient because God had called them to worship in Jerusalem and that's not what's happening. They're also at war with one another. So the Jews are looking down upon them for their, their place of worship and they're in battle. So there's this anger and resentment towards one another. Also the Samaritans, they ended up intermarrying with those who were outside the family of God. And they allowed these people to come in and, and install their, their practices of worship into their worship. So they had these pagan forms of worship becoming a part of the way that they worshiped God. And so now you have these people who just don't, don't look the way they think they should look. They don't act the way they should look. They're not worshiping in the right way. And so the Jews and Samaritans, because they're at war and they have different practices, religious practices and all these things, they hate one another. And so Jesus says, you know that person that you despise, that you think is not worthy of God, that is living in sin, that is doing the wrong thing? He's the hero of the story because he's the one who comes and picks up the man and takes care of him. He takes him to an inn and he pays his medical bills and he tells someone to keep watching after him and says, hey, I'm gonna come back and pay all the debt. Can you imagine someone doing that today with the price of a hospital bill? That is an expensive form of love. Jonah, 
paid a fare to run away from people that God had called him to go to. The Samaritan paid the price to help his enemy, the one who didn't look like him, the one who didn't think like him, the one who didn't act like him. And Jesus says in this story, the Samaritan is the neighbor. And so the point is, is that anyone you come in contact with, demonstrate mercy to them. We know that God's mercy is more than our sin, than our brokenness. So let's share that with others. Demonstrate that to others. And so we need to look inside of ourselves and to find where are the distractions in my life? Where are the areas where the mission feels too hard and it's pushing me away? Where are the distractions that are good, bad, or neutral things that I run to instead of doing what God has called me to do? And we need to keep these distractions at bay and keep living the life that God has called us to live. And so how do we actually go about doing that? Well, if we want to avoid distractions, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. If we want to avoid distractions, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. One of my favorite passages of scripture is in Matthew chapter 14. Jesus sends the disciples across the lake as he continues to pray. And they come in the middle of the night and they're out in the middle of the lake and a storm arises and the wind is shaking the boat and the waves are smashing over the boat and, and these sailors, these fishermen are scared by the extent of the storm. But then something really scares them. A man is walking out on the water towards them and they think it's a ghost until Jesus calls out, it's okay, it's, it's me, it's Jesus. And listen to how Peter responds. Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Now I know a bunch of you know where this story is going, but pause right there. Here is this incredible moment where where Peter sees Jesus doing the impossible. He sees him doing a miracle. And he says, Lord, if you invite me to come, I, I, I can do the same thing not because of my own ability, not because of my own strength, because of your strength and your power working in and through me. He says, I know that this is possible because you would make it possible. And Jesus invites him to come along. He says, come, step out onto the water, do this impossible thing. Experience my power, experience my grace, my mercy in this moment. And Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on water. And can you think about what a witness that would have been in that moment? Think about the other disciples who were watching, how they were probably getting ready to jump out of the boat themselves. Maybe right at the the tip of their tongue was, was the call, Jesus, call us out next. We want to do the same thing. We want to walk out on the water. Peter has his eyes on Jesus and he is doing the impossible. He is living as a witness of the power of God working through him, not because of his own strength, but because of the strength of Jesus Christ. And then this happens. It says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Peter sees the wind and the waves because he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to look around at his circumstances And he says, I'm in a difficult place. A storm is hitting me. Challenges are all around me. And he begins to look within inside himself and he says, I'm not enough. I'm not sufficient. I'm not capable. I can't do this. 
And because his eyes were taken off of Jesus and put on his circumstances and on himself, he began to sink. And so often we come on a Sunday morning and we gather together and we say, yeah, I want to be a light. I want to be a witness. I want to share the good news. And then we leave these doors and we go into the world and we experience storms. We experience hardships. We experience challenges. And we start looking at our circumstances and looking within ourselves and we're saying, I I don't have the ability to do that. I haven't been a Christian long enough. I don't have the right words to say. I'm gonna mess this whole thing up. What if they're mad at me? What if they're angry? What if they, they yell at me? What if they don't respond well? What if they say no? What if they reject me? And because we're looking within ourselves and looking at our circumstances, we begin to sink and fall short in our mission. And so if we want to avoid distractions, we have to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. We have to keep coming and gathering and worshiping together. We have to keep spending time in the word. We have to keep spending time in prayer because it's not our strength, but in Acts 1.8, it says that the Holy Spirit will come on you and you will receive power to be my witnesses. You're not doing it on your own strength, but through the strength of God. And so we as God's people need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus so that we can demonstrate the love that he has called us to demonstrate to share the good news and invite people into relationship. It is not possible because of us, but it is possible because of Christ, because his mercies are more for our own lives, but also for those around us. And so let's be a people who don't do what Jonah did and run away, but let's run towards what God has called us to do. Keep our eyes focused on Christ and keep walking faithfully in the call and the command that he has for our life. Let's go and make disciples. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that leads and guides us. God, I thank you for your spirit that dwells within believers to give us strength, to give us courage, to give us power. God, I pray that our eyes would be focused on you, that we wouldn't turn to the right or to the left, that we wouldn't look at our circumstances or even look within inside ourselves because if we do, we'll fall short. But God, I pray that as we go with the heart to make disciples, that we would keep our eyes focused on you, remembering that you are with us always to the very end of the age. And it is your strength and your wisdom, your truth, your love, your words that will come through us. So God, would you give us strength? Would you give us courage? Would you give us power? And God, as we share the gospel, as we invite people, would you give us favor with those in our areas of influence? that they would hear the invitation and would respond with an open heart, desiring to come and to know you. And so God, thank you for inviting us to be in relationship with you and to be on mission with you as well. Help us to be a part of building your kingdom here in Carmichael as it is in heaven. We love you, Father, and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.